This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Uh, This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Delighted to welcome uh, the Transport Secretary, Grant Shapps, to the show right now. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Well, international rivals for the first time are going to be required uh, to present a COVID test that, that is negative. They've taken within 72 hours of, uh, of travelling into the uh, to England uh, and, uh, and uh, from other, other parts of the country. Um, um, why has it taken so long? Three reasons. One, it's good, but it's nowhere near as good as quarantining. So we still have to have quarantining. That's the gold standard. We've had it all along. Number two, uh, because actually we've needed the technology to catch up with the ability to deliver this uh, sufficient scale, including, for example, uh, the quality of lateral flow tests. Those are the ones where you get a quicker answer uh, through perhaps 30 minutes or so, uh, that availability coming about. Uh, Previously, you might have to wait a couple of days. And then, of course, it's out of date by the time you're flying. And then thirdly, we're particularly concerned to make sure that these variants that are coming around, uh, including, for example, the South African uh, variant, that they don't, uh, we don't know what happens in terms of the efficacy of the vaccines uh, with some of these things. We want to make sure that we're absolutely super cautious at this point uh, to keep things out of the country, which we don't have here at the moment at any scale so so for all those three reasons uh, we're doing it today and uh, or this week coming uh, but as i say it's an addition it's not to replace quarantine which as i say is far and away more effective overall well uh, what, I mean, this is where a lot of people are really rather confused uh, no 10 day so uh, sorry 10 day quarantine even though if you've got a negative test seems rather bizarre to an awful lot of people and uh, we know the travel industry has been desperately calling for you to have tests you said no no we can't you have the test or at least at the very least you know people being able to do a test and then quarantine for a few days and then take a test again no still have to quarantine for for 10 days quarantine only works if you check up on it we've had some very high profile people rita aura flying back in from the middle east holding a big birthday party um she wasn't quarantining has she been prosecuted no i mean were there any checks no i've taken Four sets of flights uh, since, uh, sorry, three sets of flights since this uh, pandemic, all of them legally, I'd like to point, all very safely since the pandemic's had. And not one occasion were any questions asked of me, any checks made whatsoever after my return or on my return. 
So, first of all, like all laws, uh, there's a good deal of, um, you know, requirement for people to follow the law. You're breaking it if you don't. And it's, a, a you know, ultimately you can get a criminal record for it. So most people won't want to do that. You can certainly get fined. And it's not the case that nobody's checked. About a quarter uh, of people coming off uh, flights are checked by uh, by uh, border force. Uh, uh, I think it's a 1.3 million uh, te- checks, something like that. So this is not nothing. And also Public Health England call people. They've called a third of a million people. So it's not the case that no one's te- checked. So you get it a is call. the case. Wait a minute, like you get any, a call. How like on earth any... does that keep people in quarantine? So I was going to say, like any rule, you know, speeding or anything else, you know, it it is possible to break both break the law and boast about it, but it doesn't make it a good thing to do, and people shouldn't be doing that, and it is dangerous to do. And to answer your first point, the reason a test doesn't give us the information we need is the only thing the test tells you is at the moment of telling the te- taking the test, coronavirus couldn't be detected. It doesn't mean you didn't have it. It could be during the incubation period, which, as you know, is several days. Yeah. You and I have had long conversations about false negatives and positives before, so I know that you're all over this. The only way to be absolutely sure, unfortunately, is to quarantine. But I should also point out we have provided a test to release service, uh, which started in November, which does mean you can reduce your period of quarantine when you come in from abroad five days. Just to clarify, because there may be people who are still abroad or people who are travelling for business or the like, when does this rule start when you have to have a negative COVID test to even get on the plane or, or, you know, before you, uh, presumably, I'm assuming before you travel through the the, the channel tunnel as well, uh, when does that actually start? It starts next Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Your carrier won't bring you in unless you've taken the test because it's their responsibility as well as yours just in the same way as they won't bring you if you don't have a passport for example they won't let you get on board if you can't show you've had a negative test okay yeah i mean certainly i just went on holiday to antigua it was very clear you have to have that test before with there you again everyone was checking that both before and after the flight Uh, let's talk about uh, other other aspects of things let's talk about the vaccine rollout a lot of concern that the that although i mean what a brilliant job getting the getting the vaccines approved first of all one of the vaccines the one that really is going to hold out most hope for us, the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine developed here. All credit to the government where it has been able to get these processes through. A lot of concern, though, that we are just not rolling out that vaccine as quickly as we can and that other countries are starting later than us may end up actually vaccinating more people sooner than us. Why was so little done in the planning in terms of recruiting staff, establishing uh, sites, getting the military involved? Why was this not done in advance? Why was it not done in the summer when we had lots more time to spare? Well, I have to say, first of all, it is, of course, true that we always, however fast we're doing it, we always want to do it faster. So I agree with you there. Uh, Having said that, we've actually vaccinated more Brits than the entirety of the rest of Europe put together at this point. So we are well ahead of the game. In fact, in France, when we got to one million, they got to 300 uh, vaccines. Um, So we are, I mean, 300, actually 300 people. So we are way ahead. And what the prime minister announced last night, uh, which... Uh, involves using the military, I think is going to speed it up again. You may remember a couple of weeks ago when we had that Kent lorry crisis, I called in the military. I asked them to help us get the testing done and Kent cleared. I actually asked them to do it by, I don't think I've told anyone this before, but I actually, the, the, the timing I set was by the evening of uh, Boxing Day. Uh, I, I mean, the day after, not the bank yeah. holiday Boxing Day, which is a few days later. Um, they actually had it done by the lunchtime. I mean, it was just extraordinary. So I've no doubt at all. You combine the NHS workers with 
you know, our brilliant military, I think we will see this rolling out at hundreds of thousands a day. And as I say, we're already I, pretty much leading the world. Gone shabs, I, I, no, all, absolutely all credit to the government where it gets it right. But that doesn't mean then we give a free pass where you get it wrong. I get that. But saying, saying we will roll it out at that level, I've got no doubt at all we will. But we could have been rolling it out at that level already. And that's the concern. We well, know. No, no, the pharmacy. No, 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 it's not just that. We could have been ready to go. It's the, the, it's it's not just a lack of the actual access to the vaccine. We don't have enough staff to do it. We've been telling a ridiculous situation where GPs are being told, you know, stop, stop doing, treating other patients for other things and start giving the jabs. When until last weekend, when the media raised this issue, no one would bother contacting the major pharmacy chains. I know for a fact that Lloyd's pharmacy chain which dominates the north of this country, had not been contacted before last weekend, even though they were rolling out the jab from from the Monday, Um, until the media said, shouldn't you contact the pharmacists uh, when they carry out the flu jab campaign every single year? Uh, We we know that we don't have enough staff recruited. We know that the the military have not been involved at uh, at every single level of this. With all due respect, and I want to give credit where it's due, this isn't good enough. Well, I, look, I, I mean, I'm listening very carefully to what you're saying. And actually, frankly, pleased I'm not a politician in any other country in, in the world, pretty much, and certainly nowhere else Oh, I'd be giving them hell. <laughs> Given that we've done more than all of them put together. But, I mean, you're right that we obviously want to roll this out really, really fast. But we've already done one and a half million. To put that in perspective, I mean, even on Monday this week, let alone now, uh, nearly a quarter of all over 80-year-olds had had at least one um, jab. If we in in five and a half weeks time, if we can get this entire plan rolled out and I don't want to make it sound. There's a lot of things that need to go right, including the military involved and all the thousand uh, GP led um, distribution vaccine centers and all the rest of it. If we get this right, we will have 88 percent of the most vulnerable groups. This is this is where people have been the groups that people have been dying from the demographic who have died through coronavirus, we will have 88% of them in five and a half weeks' time with the first jab in their arm and protection on its way, which is an extraordinary, extraordinary level of rollout. And what people won't know behind the scenes is it was the the UK government decided to back uh, the Oxford study with £20 million. They backed building the vaccine manufacturing, which hasn't been, hasn't existed in this country before, for 230 million pounds. We've ended up with our own vaccine, which is going to not only help us with 100 million uh, vaccines, but the world with the billions that they're going to, they're going to try and produce 3 billion of them during uh, 2021. We got the, we were the first country in the world to approve the Pfizer vaccine and start in, injecting it. I think when it comes to the vaccine story, part of this, um, this country has quite literally led the world. Yeah. And you're right, a lot needs to go right. But we can be in a position in five, six weeks time where we have the majority of people who die from coronavirus, most likely to die from coronavirus protected. And I can't wait. I can't wait for my mum, who's 83, to be vaccinated. My dad, who's 89, sadly, very seriously ill in hospital to get that vaccination. That. Uh, it just it just it cannot come a moment too I soon. I absolutely agree. And I've, I've get all credit where it's due. I, you know, I applauded on air, applauded Matt Hancock, the fact they made the decision to, you know, to buy all these vaccines. We know that the European Union and America, they simply have not bought enough of these vaccines uh, in advance and the manufacture, all of that. But it, 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 given that the country is back in lockdown, given that businesses are closed, children are not getting their education properly, lives have been shut down, families have been separated, yeah. freedoms taken away, 
way uh, on such a grand scale. And it's not just for a matter of weeks. You know it. I know it. it's going to be for months. It is absolutely imperative that the government does what the the the, the public, not me, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't trust. I don't trust that we're going to do this the way we need to do this. I don't trust we're going to get our freedoms back unless we fight for them. I'm genuinely terrified that this is what life is going to be like for many, many years to come at this rate. If the government does not roll this out at the speed it should be rolled out, this should be 24-7, um, absolutely, I was going to say 365, it shouldn't take that long, um, mm. rolled out. And and at the point when we have got the, the over 70s vaccinated, we're told by mid-February, at that point, two weeks after that, three weeks after that, I want every single one of my freedoms back and I want every business back open. I want every child back at school. And you can't promise me that. Well, I, I, you and I will be joining each other to, on the barricades to get our freedoms back. Will, will hate, you? Will you promise I, that? Yes, yes, Julia. I hate being a secretary of state in a conservative government of, of, of all things that has spent the last year finding freedoms and removing them uh, because if we don't, then yet more people die. I hate being in that position. We don't have a choice right now, I think, but to go down that route. I mentioned my dad happens to be in in, in hospital. Um, he's not got COVID, but that hospital is under enormous pressure. And we must, must, must make sure we allow the NHS uh, to, to, to to deal with the scale of this. And think, things like the, the fantastic new drug, the arthritis drug that, you know, we now discover uh, can can dramatically assist those sort of discoveries are fantastic but i will be right at the front of the queue to provide back to scrap the bureaucracy to remove unnecessary tests and all the rest of it uh, to get people moving again i can't wait but we just have to be a little bit patient this next few weeks we've got to get this uh, vaccine rolled out and i totally okay. agree with you about the need for speed uh, and uh, we are throwing everything the state has at it. And as I said, with that Kent lorry crisis a couple of weeks ago, I genuinely found that when you have the levers of state at your disposal, you can really just deliver things quickly. And we cleared Kent okay. very quickly and have delivered 50,000 in that particular case, uh, coronavirus tests and are continuing to do it. It's out of the news, but we're doing it every All single right. day. We're, we're doing thousands of them to keep the hauliers flowing. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right, well, let's get to uh, my first guest of this hour, former Conservative Party leader, Sir Ian Doug Smith, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Sir Ian. Uh, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, rollout of the vaccine. Let's talk about lockdowns. Let's talk about all, all, all the aspects of what's going on right now. We were told we had to go into lockdown three, remarkably similar to tier four. Children uh, basically uh, banned from going to school, uh, most of them. Uh, our lives were completely curtailed, banned from meeting with loved ones, household meetings, everything across the country because we are facing uh, a, a second wave, at, you know, same levels of the first pandemic. Mm-hmm. We are seeing uh, mass death mass infection, uh, mass hospitalisation, and our hospitals are about to be overwhelmed. Do you think it was the right decision to go into lockdown? Has anything that has happened um, this week suggested to you that actually you were wrong to oppose the lockdown? Uh, I think on balance, uh, there are lots of reservations about this, to be honest with you, particularly on the schooling side of things, where uh, the w- children that will suffer most will be those most at risk, those in the poorest households, because school is a really important feature in their lives, A, for education, but also for uh, the fact that it, it's a place that they can be provided with support and help. And also at home, many of them live in very restrictive circumstances. It means that home learning, maybe there's not broadband, maybe there aren't uh, enough computers. It's more likely to happen in those households. So um, my concern about this is with the uh, problem of education. But on balance, given that we have vaccines now and that we have to focus on rolling them out, uh, providing this is reasonably short, uh, then it's not perfect by a long, long way. But I think the key thing is to get on with the rollout of the vaccine and make sure that we turn this whole situation around uh, and so for the very last time we ever locked down uh, well, this I mean, that's a big proviso, isn't it? I think a lot yeah, of people yeah, have been, I mean, I think, you know, all credit. I mean, Matt Hancock came on this show the morning that the first vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, went into the arm uh, of uh, of Maggie Keenan. And I mean, I have to say, I, I think everyone here in the talk radio office, I think we were all quite emotional. I really think people, there were quite a lot of, you know, red eyes. It's sort of, wow, we're beginning of the end, you know. Um, and I, 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 I can't agree, I clap Matt Hancock on air. I've been so critical of everything they've got wrong. When they get it right, my God, we need to give them credit. Mm. The real concern is that that they've had months and months and months and months to prepare. The plan was to you know, get us out of this with the vaccine. And yet it would appear not much planning went on. Um, we, we, we know that pharmacies were not contacted. No major pharmacies, they were contacted at all before last weekend when the media said, uh, why have you not contacted pharmacies, even though they roll out the flu jab every single year? Um, we, we know they've had to bring in the military to try and organise things. We know next week we're going to start with these mass centres, but why have they not been ready already? Uh, we know that the health secretary turns up at a, a surgery to celebrate that GPs are getting the vaccine. They didn't even have the vaccine there. Staffing levels, we still don't have the staff. They're still trying to recruit people and train them up to carry out uh, the, the vaccinations. Isn't this the sort of stuff that should have already been done? 
Without question, yes. Um, and I wrote a piece for The Telegraph yesterday in which I pointed out that the government has now thrown all its eggs into the basket marked vaccine. So if you're doing that, if the whole reason for the lockdown is to buy you enough time to get the vaccine into arms, um, then there's no question on earth that uh, those charged with this need to and should have had much of this already in place. And I'm afraid what, what, what I wrote about yesterday is that there is a kind of peculiar slow inertia about our bureaucracy. If the one thing COVID has finally tested, I think, to destruction is the idea that uh, that our bureaucracy, particularly within the health service, uh, is functional. It's not. <clears throat> you know, from P, uh, PPE, through the testing app, through uh, a whole variety of other areas, throughout the whole of this last year, what we have seen is actually uh, the system doesn't work. It doesn't work as it should do. It has no emergent, seems to have no emergency function. There is no pacing up. And so my concern really is the government, well, I wrote yesterday, absolutely now need to see this as a military operation. I'm pleased that they brought in 101 Brigade because that is absolutely required. Uh, but also, you know, it's important that they understand now that they can't trust uh, the chains of the civil service reporting structure yeah. uh, to get this right. They have to intervene directly now at the very level of surgeries. You're right. One of the biggest things that has really annoyed me dramatically and most other people is there are 100,000 doctors and nurses who are retired who have been volunteering to come back they've faced a bureaucracy of ridiculous requirements and a very slow process and many of them have given up I, I met a nurse yesterday who said she gave up on it yeah. she said she's only going to be paid 11 pounds a day and all the bureaucracy she thought at the end I'm not going to go through all that again this could all have been done you know the idea that you get the uh, the uh, the person in charge, the civil servant in charge, saying that they had looked at that over the last weekend and they were sorting it out this week. It, it should have been sorted out way before Christmas. And this is the big issue. Nothing seems to be anticipated in the bureaucracy. And ministers, of course, end up catching it. But they're not the ones ultimately running all the detailed structures. So that yeah. means they've got to put themselves in that place. And that was my recommendation yesterday. Treat it like a military campaign know every day what is happening at every surgery, on every street, uh, in every town in the UK. And if it's not happening, move to change it and move fast. And, and this is about saving lives. Now, I've been faced lots of accusations in uh, in recent weeks about being a, a COVID hoax uh, believer or denier and the like, which is a bit rich for mm. someone who herself has had it and knows people who's died of it. I mean, I think it's a, a really rather bizarre thing to say, never believe that, always known this is serious, had it myself, been pretty ill with it myself. Um, very concerned that my parents and, and other loved ones who were in their 70s uh, could get this, uh, uh, can get this vaccine as soon as possible. Happy to, you know, queue up at four in the morning in a car park for them to get it no doubt at all about it and I think I think pretty much everybody else does feel the same way about their their more elderly relatives who are most at risk um there is there is though um a still as you say a lot of concern that, that this this lockdown is about you know it's just about look one last push as you say and, and, until we can get this vaccine out but again if the vaccine doesn't get pushed out at the rate it needs to be pushed out we will be here forever uh, that is the concern what about your concerns that look 
Um, there's no doubt at all that we saw a huge death rate uh, back in the spring. Um, very, very alarming. Massively, I supported the first mm. lockdown because the stated aims of, uh, of of preventing the NHS being overwhelmed and people not getting care. Um, in recent months, in recent weeks, we've been told that we are in a second wave and that we are facing pretty much you know, the same sort of territory again and then even a third wave again. There have been lots of uh, predictions, lots of expert, you know, um, example scenarios which have simply not just been not been proven to be reached but have been nowhere near close to where we have been now there is a difference in what's happening in the last week london hospitals have been it has been nhs england reported uh, to the health service general they believe that by mid-january they will be overwhelmed they're cancelling all elective surgery and the like, and that they are overwhelmed, particularly in their ICUs. Now, particular deterioration in the situation in the last week is what a lot of people are saying. People who've been very sceptical of lockdown still don't think lockdown may be justified or not. Um, are you concerned? Now, the lines in terms of infection rate, we're not seeing anything like it in other parts of the country at the current time. It's only in London. It does look from the Zoe app, uh, which has been very predict- very good at predicting what's going on, that actually infections have already peaked at the end of December and therefore we are going to be coming out of this, but not before an awful lot more people are in hospital with COVID. Are you concerned that actually a lot of preparation, you know, given that we've been given all these warnings and things like the Nightingale Hospital, the Excel Centre being dismantled, that actually the NHS hasn't prepared for the the disaster which they themselves said was going to happen? Well, first of all, um, the, the problem we face this time round is... Um, that the new variant is more infectious. There's very good evidence now about that. And that therefore means that the speed of transmission is much higher than it was at the beginning of the year. Um, And that puts particular pressure on hospitals because uh, even though it is not, and there is no evidence that it is any uh, any deadlier, the mortality rates... Yeah, that, we get that evidence has not yet been presented. That is yeah, clear. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the most most uh, most epidemiologists are, are saying there is no evidence yet of any greater mortality. It's just that the the, the numbers going into hospital is greater because uh, more are being infected, and therefore within that subset you will see uh, more who are badly affected. What is what is, however, more positive um, is that uh, ICUs and the health service generally has now three very strong antiviral drugs which uh, are capable of reducing mortality, which they have done, and they're also capable of reducing the time spent uh, in the hospital. So there are positives here, and the scientists have done very well to, to get those antivirals going. But, but again, I come back to my original point, which is uh, we are looking now at what happened about two weeks ago. Yeah. That is to say that you, know, that, this is, that you get this result now is like a bow wave. It, it's two weeks in delay uh, and there is evidence they were saying uh, just beginnings of evidence in Kent which is where it all started that there's a beginning of a flattening out so let's hope uh, uh, that that is the case but the, the the key thing here is I cannot stress enough that uh, the government quite rightly my government has said that they will have delivered to the, all the at-risk groups something in the order of three and a half million uh, 13 and a half million people um, uh, the jab yeah. by the middle of February Uh, That is not a guidance note. That is an absolute. Uh, The government has said that the officials should have been planning this properly before. Things like, you know, doctors and nurses who want to come back on board should not be facing the sort of ludicrous nonsense that they were facing. It's taken until yesterday uh, for that ridiculous process to be stopped. Why did it take so long? You know, yet again, 
we need to anticipate the problems and get ahead of them, not just anticipated by locking down. So this, this vaccine, if it's going to be our salvation, and I pray and hope that that is the case, uh, then th it needs to be delivered within that time school, which means two million a week by next week will be vaccinated. If there's any delay, that starts to rise to three, mi three million a week. Uh, this is all feasible, but they should have been moving heaven and earth already by now. I'm pleased that uh, uh, we have a minister in charge of that finally directly, but he's got a lot of work on his hands. Nadim, I know him very well. It's a real tough struggle. Okay. There is too much inertia and a failure to plan in the bowels of the bureaucracy and the NHS. That has to change. Thank God the military are in because this is a war we're fighting and let's treat it like one. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Uh, right now, let's turn our attention back to Donald Trump and uh, what's been happening in the United States. Overnight, Donald Trump did concede uh, that he had lost the presidency. Nice of him to do that. He also did condemn, condemn the Capitol mob. Uh, let's have just another quick listen to what Donald Trump had to say in the video that he did release overnight when he actually talked about the, the supporters of his who broke into the Capitol building uh, on, uh, in Washington, D.C. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. To those who engage in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. Oh, well, that's what he had to say overnight. Let's hear what the chair of Republicans overseas, the UK, has to say. That's Sarah Elliott. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, Donald Trump, I mean, finally condemning the Capitol mob. Took him well over 24 hours. Took him large number of hours before he was willing to do it while they were actually marauding through the Capitol building. He's also finally conceded on video uh, that he did actually lose the uh, election and there will be a peaceful transfer of power. Is that enough to save him from impeachment? I'm not sure, actually. I don't, I don't think so. I, the fact he also didn't call in the National Guard when members of Congress were under threat, the Senate, including his vice president, uh, was in the building at the time. So I, I think people are just really shocked um, at, at what took place, and they're they're not sure what to make of it. I I you know, I do think that him having conceded and um, taking these steps are definitely in his self-interest, but I wish he had done it, you know, 48 hours ago. I wish he had done it immediately that evening. Um, well, again, is... or, or perhaps if he'd not encouraged the mob to actually make their exactly. way to the Capitol building in the first place, that would have been helpful. Um, now, there is, is some talk that he, he has actually been discussed between Mike Pence and various other members of the Trump cabinet, the, com the, co the possibility of invoking Article 20, sorry, Amendment, 25th Amendment to the United States Constitution and that would allow the cabinet to vote to remove the president for being unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, to basically say he is, in, he is you know, unfit for public office. Apparently that was discussed, but it was dismissed. Have you heard anything along those lines? Yes, I have. And I, I know that the Democrats would really like to invoke it, but they're thinking um, impeachment and impeachment more likely, although the 25th Amendment would push things along faster. Um, they're not going. I mean, Congress is basically on recess for the next two weeks anyway. So it it, it could be the the only order of business. So it could be uh, done pretty quickly. Um, I I just know that it. I I'm just so upset and I'm so disappointed in the president because he has unraveled his legacy that I have defended in the last 
and he's unraveled it in two months. I mean, he's the the Twitter fights and with the Georgia GOP and calling the election rigged even before it took place, kept Republicans home and kept and lost those two Georgia Senate seats, which would have secured his legacy and been a bulwark against any kind of liberal policies. I, I'm just so disappointed and I'm disappointed in his lack of leadership on Wednesday. And, you know, I've been a vocal supporter on this show of the president because I, I liked his agenda that it doesn't seem like he cares about his conservative accomplishments well, or Sarah, his legacy. Well, Sarah, I'm amazed that you're surprised and disappointed by any of this. Donald Trump has one agenda, and that agenda is Donald Trump. He's he's made that really clear. I, I'm always amazed that anyone was surprised by what he was like in office. And I'm someone who's always been willing to give credit for anything he... I mean, I, I wish he hadn't been elected. I've always thought he's unfit, um, uh, just morally, in his character and as, uh, for public office. Um, I think he's been a terrible president. But when he has done things well, like dealing with things like the you know Middle East and peace process. I, I've always given credit in a way that other people don't. But um, realistically, even if the, I mean, obviously, the, he's not going to be um, removed by his own party. They're, they're too scared of him. The, the, the Republican Party is, as his own son has said, now Donald Trump's Republican Party. But um, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic Party leaders in Congress, they have said uh, that they will uh, move to impeach. That, we are told, could happen as early as today. Um, it's a much longer process. has to go through House of Representatives and the Senate. Um, but now, with, of course, Democrats controlling both, a much stronger chance of that happening, even though, of course, they don't have the supermajority uh, in, in the Senate. Um, is that, though, even if that was desirable for the Democrats, is that is that a good idea, given... Given the, this, the the inflamed tensions we've got in America right now, would it be better perhaps if everyone could slink away quietly? I suppose that would always depend on whether or not Donald Trump would ever do that because he's now talking about running for a second term. Yeah, I, I do think it would be best for the country if we just, you know, kept the rhetoric down. It didn't push this through. Um, we have two weeks left. Uh, the inauguration. I don't think the country can take it much longer. Um, listen, as, as in terms of Donald Trump, I mean, and and my support for him. I mean, I think that he has done some amazing things as president. But it doesn't. I would hope. I would have hoped he wanted to secure those wonderful things and preserve his legacy for his own ego, perhaps for the long term. And it seems like he was very willing to throw that away. Um, and that's that's what's really disappointing. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.